welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, streaming on Facebook Live, hosted today by our regular complete panel of two Eds, Agina, Mike, and myself, Steve. And today we have a very special guest, Tiana Sims, who is going to be introduced to us forthright or forthwith, one of those four wow. things. By, by Gina. Oh, poor Gina. <laughs> All right. So we have got Tiana Sims. Um, she is from here in North Carolina in Burke County. She is for our central seat. She is a strong conservative that was elected last November to our school board. She has been a breath of fresh air. She's married to ex-military, comes from a law enforcement family. She's moved here recently um, in the last year and a half from Arizona because she got out from all them crazies. And uh, she's joined a few of us crazies here. But anyway, we are so thankful to have her and to be able to pick her brain this afternoon. Hey, Tiana. Welcome. Thank you. Thank yes. you for that awesome introduction. And I'm from Vegas, graduated from University of uh, Arizona. There you go. A wildcat. Okay. <laughs> Tiana, tell us what your uh, involvement in your favorite causes are and how you got to be there, if you would. Absolutely. Uh, so I initially started off in disability services, working for the state as a federal liaison between the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation and the Department of Ed um, in the state of Nevada. And so I, I started in government and decided to go to college. I don't know why and ended up majoring in criminal justice and sociology um, with a concentration in forensics. Then uh, through a various conversations with multiple different people, I started to question everything I had been taught about politics and decided to do some digging on my own. That's when I got really active in the community. Um, for two years, I served as the National Military Support and Leadership Club president. Um, I'm a peer mentor. Um, I do curriculum development with the university, uh, volunteer with those with intellectual and developmental disabilities, amongst other things. What are well, you heartening to know that somebody with a background in criminal justice and, justice and forensics is now going into government. Hopefully you use those skills wisely. So Tiana, are you saying you were not born conservative? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, can you just give us the short story of your conversion? Sure, I uh, came from a family that is heavily Demo Democrat, um, extremely liberal and just grew up, you know, conservatives, Republicans are bad, they're racist, they're rich. And that was just my ideology growing up until I got to my concentration where I started to have these deeper discussions with my instructors. Um, one of my degrees is in sociology, meaning that we had to cover gender studies, critical race theory, things like that. And I come from a very analytical family and I'm very inquisitive some, to the point of nosy at times. And I just started to have a lot of questions that just weren't able to be answered. Um, at that point, I start to have these conversations with my husband's father, who is extremely conservative. And we just got down into the weeds. And I started to realize that I'm not liberal. I'm, I'm a lot more conservative than, than I thought I was. And there was the, the metamorphosis. Um, obviously, in sociology, you probably do not bump into a lot of conservatives. 
No, no, not at all. Not completely the opposite. So what Uh, happened when you uh, started meeting all of us racist conservatives? How did we uh, pan out? (laughs) Nothing of what I was ever told. When I initially told my family, because it was. (laughs) Wait, you came out to them? I did. I was just going to say a coming out party. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm conservative. And my mom's like, what happened? Are like, let's talk about, are you sure? Let's talk about this. And once I started to explain myself and my thought process, let's look at, you know, national news. Let's see what's going on in our communities. She started to realize, oh, well, maybe I'm a little bit more conservative than I thought too. Is that really what's going on? And it's like, yeah, you got to you know, break away from CNN you know, and take an intrinsic look at what's really going on. And you'll see for yourself that a lot of people, even on the campaign trail, I'm meeting these Democrats and they're shocked that this stuff is really going on, but you have to take the time to break it down to them in a way that's not, that's apolitical. And then they'll start to see, you know what, that makes sense. So what do you see as, um, when you talk to people, because obviously you've talked to a lot of people, do you, what do you see as their primary concern um, uh, in general? And then do they think the, the whole critical race theory or the transing of their kids is sort of their main concern nowadays? Which, which of those two? Nowadays, I think they're running neck and neck on both ends, neck and neck, CRT, and the sexuality that's going on, the propaganda that's being- Can I back you up a second, Tiana? Because my understanding is you're now part of the Board of Education. I am. And that's a new thing, correct? Correct, I was elected in December. So why don't you just tell us what made you go into that and then what you're doing with that and then you can answer Ed's question and I'll follow the whole trail. Sure. So prior to us moving to North Carolina, which was interesting in itself, we knew no one on this coast at all. We just decided we were tired of everything that we were seeing. COVID played a huge part in that. Uh, In Nevada, we had Steve Sisolak as the governor. And I mean, him and Biden are running neck and neck. And I got really tired of screaming at my TV. And so I looked at my husband and I said, you know what? I think I should probably get into politics one day in the future, down, down, way far in the future. And I talked to my father-in-law. He said, absolutely, go for it. Go for it. We get here and Gina actually posted this, this flyer announcement on Facebook saying, we need someone to run for the central seat. And Gina can kind of go into the background of that as to why it was so needed. But I reached out to her and we made it happen. We ran and won. Yeah, so our area where we're at right now for the last 24 years, so we we ran three candidates on a slate. Um, so she had two great people that were running on an east seat and a west seat along with her. But we had three seats held for the last 24 years by three Democrats. And there was nobody ever um, to come against them. And that became, it, it was something that we needed to do as a community. And uh, she was the right fit. She stood for the right things. And uh, we're, we're very blessed. We're very How blessed hard is her. it to win that seat down there? <laughs> well, it's it's dirty. It was, it was really dirty. He, it really is dirty. So people actually fight over that seat. Yeah, we had signs stolen, signs defaced, uh, death threats, all kinds of stuff we faced through this election cycle. 
because I thought those elections were basically ignored. So enlighten mm -hmm. me. Not anymore. Because of the issues that Ed mentioned, people are paying attention. Is that what you're saying? Okay, so yeah. great. Okay, now you can answer Ed's question. I'm sorry, Ed, can you give me your question again? <laughs> He, he asked, what are the big issues or what are the main issues, CRT, trans, etc. Yeah, you ran, you ran, but I mean, what are the issues that people are talking about? And I mentioned CRT and trans is too, but there might be more. That, that you know, the COVID was huge. It still is huge um, because there are some parents that are still, you know, afraid or concerned that there will be vaccine mandates that come down later that kind of become a part of the norm or the required set of requirements to enter school. So that's something that I'm hearing. Of course, the the race discussion, um, books are huge here. You know, the criteria around what is appropriate for K through 12, um, the sexuality conversations about, you know, gender identity, uh, misgendering, things like that. So th that's what I'm hearing. Um, and then school safety. Misgendering. So there was just a district. Well, no, it's up there in Virginia again, uh, in Loudoun County, I believe. They've just put it, if you are above fourth grade and you misuse someone's gender pronoun that they identify as, you will now be suspended in fourth grade for accidentally calling a boy a boy. Okay, but they're not that, putting them that, in jail, right? Well, I hope they're not going to put a nine-year-old in jail. Wasn't these are fourth grade where some kid was arrested or something, or am I making that? Uh, there was a kid that was expelled. Yes, okay, but not arrested. No, okay. I've known of expelled. Now that's something I can see coming to our area. So the board that Tiana sits on, for example, we've got another Republican on there, and she's very liberal. Um, so we do have a fight that she is going to have to be in. Um, We've got some very big rhinos <laughs> that sit alongside of her, and I know she's butted heads with them already. How many um, people are on this board? Yeah. Uh, huh? Seven of us. I'm seven. Seven. And how often do you meet? Uh, we meet twice a month. One for a work session where we kind of go over agenda setting, what we're going to talk about, discussing things that need to be discussed. Then we have a regular session where we actually vote and we have public comment and things of right. that nature. And the sessions actually get hot? Mm -hmm. they, now they do. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. <laughs> Tiana, I've got a question for you. So many of the horribles, especially things like the COVID mandates, the vaccine mandates that you're talking about, other mask mandates, they're, they're not coming directly from the Board of Education. They're coming from Raleigh, from state capitals, and from Washington. And they're coming in the form of bribes from Congress. Um, I was just before we got on the air for this show reading about the proposed red flag law that's coming from Congress. And of course, Congress is not in imposing a red flag law itself. It's trying to, it's going to apparently try and bribe states with money to get them to do it. How can you on the Board of Education resist government, you know, state or federal money uh, in order to reject these mandates? What, you know, what can you do and, and how much resistance do you have on the rest of the board? Um, how can you explain to taxpayers that if you reject the money, you're going to wind up paying more in property taxes or cut services? I mean, how, you know, how, how are you, you know, how does that work in your, in your head? How are you planning to, 
to deal with that? Well, first thing is preparation. You In every battle, you have to be prepared. You have to know what you're going up against. Um, I do meet with individual board members and kind of get a temperature check, see how, have you heard of it? What are your thoughts on it? And then once it gets to the board as an agenda item, I mean, I don't hold back. I don't hold back. We're gonna talk about it. I mean, and that's just what it's gonna be. The difficult part is as a board, we have to have a majority vote. That means we have to be able to swing at least four out of the three in the same direction. And we've seen sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but that doesn't mean that I shut up essentially. You know, I, I keep talking, I keep screaming. I meet with the community, you know, because that's something that I like to reiterate time and time again. I wasn't elected to know better I wasn't elected to know more. I was elected to represent. And so instead of meeting in back rooms, just elected officials, I don't, I don't go to those anyway. I don't, I don't need to hear what you guys are saying. Who I need to speak with are my constituents because that's who this is affecting. That's who, who matters. That's who put all of us here. And so what I have noticed is if you get enough community support, they can put that pressure on to swing that vote. My sense from the community, though, and, and I'm just speaking for myself, I don't mean to, you know, anoint myself voice of the people, but my sense is that most people don't fully comprehend how powerful the bribe is and how much power Raleigh and D.C. are exerting with money. Do you sense that as well? And if so, what can you do. do? What can we do to to? explain it to the, to, to the general public because and that... can I make can I make your question even more specific because uh, you know our fearless leader is on the budget committee of his township do you know what the numbers are how much money could you lose out of how big a budget if you want to play your games absolutely so with that I've been I speak with Ed regularly I watch market watch and everything like that and with this new uh it's, I don't know who it is. It's the Department of Ed coming down saying that they're going to change the definition of what encompasses discrimination. And if you don't follow this procedure, you're going to lose uh, federal funding tied to nutrition and, and lunch. And so we've spoke as a board with our chief finance officer. How much do we have in our local fund? How much, you know, if this comes to pass and we have to foot this bill, how much is in there? How much can we put forward? How long is that sustainable? And should we be cushioning that with requests from the commissioners? Right. And so once we get that information, I don't like to sit on that. That's to me, that's not privileged information. That's information that's readily available to the public or should be. You put that information out and you let the public work with you to get it done. We can do it. We have taxes and everything like that. The biggest thing is we have to be able to say no as a majority. And if we can do that collectively, change will come, a stop will happen. But what happens is there are people who get enticed by the money. You know, I don't wanna make enemies, things like that. And so that's where the politics comes into play. As, as I recall, sorry to interrupt Tiana, but one of the so-called good guys on the board reversed position on mask mandates in January of this year. My understanding is precisely over this issue. That, I mean, I don't want to say if it was a man or a woman, but, uh, you know, that person uh, reversed position and my, my understanding, maybe my understanding is not correct, but 
I thought that the reason for the change was if we don't do it, we lose money. And that was a good, good, good person. So when I asked, when I asked why, because I do, I ask you why you vote the way you vote. I want to know, because if you ask me, I'm going to be able to tell you. And it was to keep kids in school. And that's where each individual board member has to do a cost analysis that, you know, uh, analysis. Theirs came up different than mine. Mine was that parental choices, it governs. Regardless of what that looks like, if we just have to go back to remote, whatever that looks like, parents have that decision. I'm not going to stand for, or I'm not going to vote for mandatorily placing a mask over a child's face. That's not my child. I have kids in the system too, and I'm a parent. So I know how that feels. You're not going to tell me what I'm going to do with my kid. But for others, they have their own thought processes. They think differently. They speak to different people. I don't know what was at play with that. I know exactly what you're talking about. And to be honest, we were shocked. We, there that, was, was no- that, was, that was with our, our board of health director too. So to give a little context with that, um, the mandates come down from the health department. Our health department director, who is a former lobbyist that came down for this job out of um, West Virginia, had put something in place. So our kids used to be out of school for 10 days, whether they were in contact, whatever. And all of a sudden, he put it out there that you were no longer able to go purchase a test from CVS. You could not take a home test. So Now he has said, okay, you can't take any of these tests. They're not acceptable for kids to return to school. However, at the same time, the only test that is available, our county does not have access to. So nobody was able to test and actually be in school unless they had these masks. So our board and the person you're talking about, that was part of their Um, Because I asked as well, like, what the heck are you doing? And it was one of those things. They were pushed up against a wall because there was no options given. And uh, and that's where there's all them different areas of the political realm, your commissioners, your board of health, your health department, all of that kind of starts putting pressure on. And yeah, that pressure definitely hits you guys this year or last year, I should say. Yeah, so it comes down to perspective and what you feel is right. And with the varying personalities, different people that they know, meetings that they're in, they did what they felt was best. I, myself, I, I promised one thing and I just, I couldn't go back on that promise. To so are you, are you in charge of, you're in charge of budgeting the schools as well, right? We are. So how we do you do that them. when you tell the feds, keep your, million out of our $6 million budget, then what do you do? We have to look into our local funds. What do we have on hand? We were given that ESSER money during COVID. There are stipulations on when that has to be spent, what we could spend it on. So instead of us using our local funds to use that money to pay for, you know, new air conditioners and things like that, we just used ESSER, ESSER funds. So we were able to accumulate money over these past couple of years. So we just have to have a good working relationship and trust with our chief finance officer and to keep communication lines open with our county commissioners who also through taxes as to our our budget. Okay, now the state government is totally left wing. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, um, I live in New York. I've lived in Maryland. I'm kind of a Southerner by heritage, but I'm much more involved in New Hampshire politics. I picture North Carolina, other than, you know, Charlotte and the Triangle area, as a bunch of rednecks. And obviously, I'm totally wrong. So what is like the demographic breakdown and how how is that split between left and right in your county? As uh, you anybody can answer that. But. As you We're get to up. the more urban areas, then that's when you'll see that blue. We're the up about 14,000. Mm -hmm. Republican over Democrat, we're up about 14,000. That was reversed in about 2015. So right now we've got the upper hand, but we are having an influx of independents currently. And a lot of that has to do with the, we just had a bunch switch over because of the primaries that just took place. I think, I think regardless of where you are, regardless of whether you're in the, the, the bluest states like New York and, and Massachusetts and California or, or, or the reddest states, the bureaucracy is always blue. The bureaucracy is always Democrat. And as long as we have civil, you know, we don't have a spoil system anymore where every time you get a new administration, the bureaucrats get fired. Um, as, long as, as long as that's the case, the Democrats are entrenched in all the positions of power, all the behind the scenes places where, where the sausage gets made. I mean, you know, you can pass whatever legislation you want. I mean, we yeah. saw, you know, we saw with Trump, you know, Trump had some good ideas, but, you know, he could issue an order. You know, Ed Powell talked about this a lot on our show. You know, Trump would issue an order and it doesn't get followed. And why doesn't it get followed? Because the bureaucracy is infiltrated with Right. Democrats. Ed, you, you make a great point because, you know, states like New Jersey, I think, have a, a really high percentage of people who work for government. And even though some of those people may have some conservative views, right, it's in their self-interest to vote blue and do things that are in. Well, are yes, but I'm not even talking about the voting pattern. I mean, you know, as Gina was pointing out, you know, the voting rolls here in, in Burke County have gone very red we're, we're very we've tilted towards the republican side but as long as the bureau bureaucracy is controlled by democrats it really doesn't matter who wins the elections because the bureaucracy you know the board of health the you know these are all positions that uh where policy gets carried out and right. you know it doesn't really matter who's who, you know who's crafting the policy you know, it, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the judiciary is the same way. I mean, you know, when the, the when the state, Democrats state, control the, the judiciary, department. huh? The State Department. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's something, I mean, it's all beyond the scope of what Tiana's talking about, you know, with the Board of Education. But, you know, the real reform we need is not term limits. It's not, um, it's not getting people to vote Republican. It's, ending the bureaucracy and ending, you know, and, and reinstating the spoil system where the bureaucracy knows that every four years they're subject to being fired. That's so, and I think your need. point, yes, it is a great point. And you're actually kind of splitting it into two bureaucracy versus money. But I mean, you know, we've had Melissa from New Hampshire. She's a state rep on the show several times and they've fought valiantly um, grassroots to reopen, to rebuild New Hampshire. And so many times it's come down to the governor says, yeah, great idea, but we're going to lose, you know, 
X gazillions of dollars. And then they said, no, you won't lose and you will lose. And on a global level, so obviously there's the Article 5 people trying to do the Constitutional Convention. And we Liberty blockheads, at least myself and my son who runs it, have been against that for many years. And among the many, many reasons we're against it is even if everything passed, even if the Constitution were rewritten by Ed Maslisch, the money is still going to talk. Because as Ed introduced this issue, they're not forcing anybody to take away your guns. They're not forcing anybody to teach CRT. They're not forcing anybody to trans your kid. They're just offering money nicely. And I, I don't even know what stops that because that's beyond bureaucracy. I'm not entirely sure that's true because they're also using the civil rights laws to uh, trans your kid, you know. And um, But if nothing else works, they can always leave. That's what I'm saying. Even yeah. when they can't win that in court, no problem. Right. We'll just keep our money. And that's yeah. why it's so insidious. Right. I've got another education question for you, Tiana. Um, <laughs> we've heard that, that God has been kept out of the schools. Um, but there's at least one religious tenet that I see everywhere in schools. And that is this religious belief that teachers are underpaid and that teachers are not responsible for any of the crap we're talking about. Uh, you know, there might be pornography in the in the curriculum and pornography in the in the libraries, but those teachers are not responsible for assigning it. They're not responsible for overseeing it. They're not responsible for CRT in the curriculum or CRT in their lesson plans. They're not responsible for anything. And uh, I just have a real problem with that. Um, I, I view that as a it's. it's and, and I've debated that with people locally. I showed you one conversation that I was having on Facebook with some people. And it's just, it, people are impervious to, to discussing any of the facts surrounding that in, in my experience. And uh, I'm just curious as to your, your view on that. I mean, are teachers responsible for what's going down in, in the curriculum and in, in the, uh, you know, the pornography and, and other, and CRT and transgendering and, all the stuff that's coming down through the through the curriculum, or is that just, well, that's coming from Raleigh, that's coming from DC, and you know the the teachers are just passive conduits and robots, and we should just keep paying them. What's well, we're just doing our job, right? I think it's a little bit of both. I do see the stuff coming out of Raleigh from you know the Department of Public Instruction and stuff like that. And there's a very lenient stance on it. No one wants to say a definitive no, you know, or a definitive, this is what this is. In our county, we have went on record to say we do not teach CRT, right? We do not do any of that. Do you However, audit lesson plans? Do you audit the teachers? The principals are supposed to audit the, the lesson plans that are provided or the teachers that create them in the classrooms. What I have been getting are parents who have seen questionable or are questioning some of the material coming out of the classroom. And with that information, I go straight to the superintendent. I bypass everybody and say, this is the information that I was given. This is the actual assignment. We need to look into this. Is this appropriate? And if it's not, then we will handle that with that specific instructor in that specific school, specific administration to make sure that that reoccurrence doesn't happen again, or they're able to explain as to how this is applicable to math, you know? And is so- Is there an email hotline or any kind of way for parents 
to notify the, the Board of Education when they see stuff like this so that it can be addressed immediately? Facebook me, text me. My number is everywhere. I've had people stop by my house and drop stuff off in envelopes. You can get it to me however you can get it to me. So Tiana, Tiana, what's an example of something that you've come across that maybe something we, we wouldn't even know about? Have you, has there been anything that surprised you or it's just stuff that's kind of confirmed what you already suspected? One was that I seen, it was like, Chris was running from the cops. Um, Chris was running from the cops. The cops shot Chris. What race was Chris? Kind of thing, you know? And it's just like, okay, and what subject is this? Well, this is algebra. Well, when we were kids, we did Jack and Jill went up the hill and got shot by a racist cop. Isn't that how you learned the nursery rhyme? No. Wow. <laughs> wow. So they're doing that in algebra. So were they saying that, you know, that the kid was running, you know, 40 miles an hour or, or, you know, how, you know, I guess he wouldn't run 40. That'd be the same bolt maybe, but. No, it could, know, be, it could be Thomas running or something. It can come in any kind of form. What I have been seeing other board members have been seeing parents just come to us and say, Hey, I'm just not really comfortable with this question that my kid was assigned for homework tonight. Can you look at this? And we'll look it over, we'll disseminate it amongst ourselves, gather opinions, and we'll take it to the superintendent and say, hey, what's this about? So North Carolina is one of the states where a lot of kids have um, left the public schools, right? Yeah. Is, is that the case in your district? We've lost a few. We haven't, it hasn't been a shock yet. Um, but our schools are, are, in my opinion, pretty decent they're good they're they're good we're overperforming um so i know surrounding counties have seen a lot of that where kids are opting to go to private schools religious schools home school they're losing public attendance and just to slightly veer off but it's still education um that supreme court case with giving money to religious schools you're following that right yeah i, am. I assume that's going to impact a whole bunch of these issues, right? It would. The Supreme Court has opened up the floodgate saying that it was unconstitutional for them to be blocked anyway. So I do anticipate seeing an increased enrollment for religious schools, religious-based schools. Well, but doesn't that, that's only if the state allows it. I mean, Maine had a program. Does North Carolina have that program? Not, I'm not sure. I can follow up with you on that. I do know that a lot of parents um, in the, I believe it's Caldwell County, um, were super excited about it. And they are looking at their other options, including online religious options. So for their school, for their students. So I'm we'll not see. sure how I feel about that Supreme Court decision, Steve and everybody else. I mean, uh, superficially, I, I mean, I guess I like it, but I mean, you know, number one, Government money, with government money always comes government control. And that's something that we were just talking about a few minutes ago, that if the if the government starts paying money towards private schools. Yeah, but they're, they're not gonna, paying that. That's the people's money. That's the people's so, money. But this. That's my taxes. It, but what qualifies as a school is going to be subject to government decision. But more fundamentally, if if the government spending programs can't discriminate on the basis of religion, I mean, is an abortion group going to be able to sue and say, 
you have to fund abortion. You can't not fund abortion because of your religious beliefs. I don't think I mean, that's the same whatsoever. If I'm paying right if, because you like because you no, I, I'm not saying that. So no, the state they get eleven thousand dollars because of taxpayers. Mm-hmm. So they get over eleven thousand dollars a year per student at Burke County Schools for my kid for my kid's right. education. Why can I not choose? for my kids' education, that it go to the school of my choosing, whether that's a charter school or a private religion. Hey, so what, well, I don't know what the Supreme Court ruled. I know in New Hampshire, there's a lot of programs where literally the money follows the kid. Well, that's what they just coming. did. So that well, that's what, it, that's what it is. It's the Supreme follow- Court said that when the, when the state decides where the money is going to go, it can't, it can't exclude religious schools. That's but that's government giving it to the schools. That's different than the government actually giving kids $5,000 saying spend it where you want. Those very but different. They, well, no, it's just how they break it down. They do no, it in a lump sum per student. School, if they're giving it to the schools, it's going to come with strings. If it's just following the kid, it can't come with strings. I think that's the crux, isn't it? Well, no, because it still goes per kid with the regardless. Per kid always comes with strings, not if they give it to you. If they say, here's a tax credit of five grand, you can go whatever you want. There are no strings. No, am I missing something? It's different if it's more direct than indirect. It's different if they're writing a check to the school or if they're giving you money to to pay a school. I mean, my kids all went to private parochial schools. And that, you know, and and by the way, coming from the religious world where you're paying property taxes and, you know, 15, 20, 30,000 dollars a kid, you have that issue. Of it's our money and we're spending it. Right. But we're, I think- we're almost veering into a discussion. My, uh, my bells are being rung because I used to do a presentation about New Jersey school funding formula. And uh, I mean, you want to talk about something that's an absolute catastrophe for taxpayers and how a lot of these districts would game the system. All they had to do was sign a kid up for the free or reduced price lunch and they got more money for each kid. All right, there was a scandal in one of the districts because they were they were doing all this stuff and trying to get more money. But yeah, I mean, listen, if they're, was, if they're getting if they're getting money from the government, then just like Ed said, there's going to be strings attached, and they they can twist arms, and you know you have to worry about things like, like Catholic schools and what kind of pressure they're going to put on them to change curriculum or what have you. All I, all I was saying was, I mean, I was saying that, but then I was also saying, you know, you take something like Medicaid, right? I mean, where government is paying for, for health care for, for poor people. If, if some state like North Carolina or Alabama or wherever wants to say, you can't use Medicaid funds to pay for abortions, and somebody else says, well, you're, you're discriminating based on religious beliefs, I don't know how the Supreme Court's going to rule on that. I mean, under this decision, I could see the Supreme Court saying, yeah, you can't discriminate. So I don't know. So real quick, Diana, tell us a little bit more again about your, your campaign. Uh, you know, all politics are local, it's a, a local race, but often we're told, you know, if you don't have money and you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't, you can't win. So were, were you running for like an open seat? How many other people were running against you? And no, what other, she what was other running against the kick-ass guy? What other what other what other tactics did you use to win? Uh, so it was just myself running against the incumbent of 24 years. Um, and 
I was extremely grassroots. Being a, a citizen myself, I don't like when candidates, politicians, elected officials throw money at me. What I want is for you to come and talk to me and me learn who you are and what your stance is and what you plan on doing when you get there. And so that's the route that I took. I met with the uh, senior citizens in the mornings at their breakfast, you know, to pick their brain, what's going on, how are you feeling? I met in the evenings. Um, we had debates, uh, forums that Gina hosted that any opportunity that I could get out and speak with people. I went to people's mm -hmm. homes. I went, we had held an ice cream social for me to get to know people. If you wanted to get to know me and talk to me, all you had to do was reach out. It was extremely gra grassroots and I'm glad that it was that way. So pretty much retail politics, right? Social media, did you use anything? I use social media um, a little bit. You know, I interacted with people. There were some who wanted to know my stance on this or that, but I don't recall paying for really any ads or anything like that. Okay. It was mainly face-to-face, -face, word of mouth, us going out knocking on doors. <laughs> Just so speaking to people. What was the, uh, the percentage? What did you get? Ah, it was, it was over 50. I think you had almost 50, 50 plus one at least. <laughs> Wasn't it like 53 or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was 53, 54. Okay. There was more than that, but maybe I'm mistaken. But you took out a long time incumbent. That's impressive. She took out the chair. That's really impressive. He wasn't just a member. He was the chair and he was the one that has uh -huh. pulled strings for years and years and years. It's a conservative AOC. Yeah. And were you aggressive with him? Did you like, um, uh, I no, wasn't. you were being positive about your vision, but were you calling him out for some of his? No, I, or? you know what? And that's one he thing was that a I, pussycat. I did not play dirty politics. I did I'm not, not say dirty. Him. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I don't dirty. see, I don't see, I don't see being aggressive <laughs> as being dirty. I did. She no, had, she had those to surround her that did. We'll say that. that yeah. How many, times, how many times did I message you, Tina, Tiana? You need to get the brass knuckles on. You wouldn't do <laughs> no, it. No, I, 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 I was cordial with him, you know, and that was the extent. I, 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 truly, I didn't care about him. It wasn't about you. It was about the people. And once I got on the board, then that's when my aggression kicked in. I'll call it aggression. How expensive is it to run? It depends on how you want to run. If you want, we had a lot of contributions, a lot of, um, oh gosh, gifts, things like that for bigger billboards and stuff. Cause we did run as a, th as a threesome. Um, it was, we called ourselves the dr dream team. So we ran together, but the signs, that was pretty much little cards to leave for people at the fairs. Um, I didn't spend much. I don't even think I broke 2000. Congratulations. Thank you. Impressive. And do you think you're going to win much? Say it one more time. Do you think you're going to win much on the board? I mean, how much do you think you'll actually be able to sway? I think I, think I have a, a good amount of influence. Um, I do research. I'm not afraid to ask questions. I don't, I'm not afraid to have the questions come hard, come fast. 
Um, if I think someone's out of line, I'm not a, afraid to call you right then, right there to your face. I had to do it with one of my fellow board members and she was sitting right next to me. You know, I, I think that we're good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm sitting next to someone now who is independent and he has started to change how he voted a little bit. So. Okay. So you're not just being in your head against the wall. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. What do you see as the biggest issues facing our local board, Tiana, and what are you doing to deal with them? Oh, that's a hard one. Right now, the talks have been the book challenges that has come out about books that are, you know, inherently racist, books talking about transgender, um, sex confirming, things like that. Though That's a pretty big one that we're taking on right now. Um, we're making You're progress. Textbooks or just books in a library? Books in the library. So we're dealing with that right now. Um, that's another one. Uh, trying to harden the schools because after what happened in Texas, or was it Texas? Yes, it was Ooh. Texas. Um, dealing with that and making sure that our schools are safe but not repressive at the same time. We don't want our children going to institutions that look like jail, but we want to be safe and secure. So dealing with that, that's a big one that we're dealing with as well. So, so going on that, um, arming teachers, armed guards, where's all that heading? What is it now? Working with the local law enforcement, the professionals that be to see where our you know weaknesses are, where we can improve, working with the community, getting their input. Um, that's really big for us. We've been a voice for that. We have to talk to the community. What do they hear? What do they see? Because a lot of times they're going to see the signs or be able to identify the signs before we are. So just working together collaboratively to figure out what our weaknesses are, how do we strengthen them, and going forward with that. Are all the schools gun-free zones? Yes. What do you mean other people, go back to your prior statement. What did you mean when you said other people are in a better position to, to spot these parents, issues? Parents, grandparents people who have been here in these schools, because you know, our schools are super, you know, old. They've been here for a while. These people know these schools backwards, forwards, they ran these halls themselves. So them giving us to, hey, have you looked at this area of the school? Have you looked at that area of the school? You know, and us actually getting out and walking and seeing it for ourselves. Well, I'm just, I'm just wondering if you're thinking about some equivalent of red flag laws without calling it a red flag law. I mean, where does due process fit in with that? I mean, if somebody says, oh, that kid looks a little crazy, you know, what's how's the Board of Ed supposed to handle that? I mean, on the one hand, you don't want to create or or tolerate a danger or, or foster a danger. But on the other hand, you want to you want to respect due process. And I mean, let's be real. We're, we're all conservatives on this show. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who think that just being conservative makes you makes you crazy. We have. Um counselors and therapists and social workers in our schools who do their rounds. And whenever there's a tip, a hint, anything that comes in about a student, they actually start working with that student. Hey, is everything okay? If they know, because we live in a, such a small community, if we know that maybe a parent has passed or a sibling has passed or something 
in that family unit, that nuclear family unit has occurred, we will check in on that student, kind of follow, monitor them, see if everything's truly okay. Talk to the parents. Hey, I know you got a lot going on. How is Timmy doing at home? You know, we see his grades are slipping. He's missing some school. You know, he doesn't seem as social as he used to be. Is everything okay? And then we'll do small group. I don't want to call it therapy, but it's groups of students coming together to kind of just talk about the climate from social to politics, to home, to health, to everything like that. Talk about what's going on and relaying that information to parents so that they're also aware, but trying to make this a community thing as opposed to the entire responsibility lying on the school because we only have these kids for what, eight hours a day, you know? So- Is, the, is there any kind of analog to a red flag or, or warning signal of, for, for teachers that are, that are teaching awful things to the children? There are, students are very capable actually. Students will come and tell you, hey, they were talking about this earlier and I didn't feel comfortable. Hey, you know, I'm a white, a young white male and I, my teacher made me feel that I'm the problem. You know, I'm the reason for all of America's problems today. You know, and then that's when you talk. So we have our red flags. It's just coming in a unorthodox way. It's not formalized policy. It's not formalized position for people. My son is a senior in the high school at Freedom High School. Um, He's not the type that would, would, you know, it's like pulling teeth to get information from him sometimes about things like this. Uh, but I'm not aware of any kind of, uh, you know, means for, for reporting on teachers or, uh, or even other students for that matter. But um, that's why I've, I've asked you, uh, huh? We have a hotline. I'll, I'll send you the hotline right after this. Okay. Yeah, we have a hotline and it's manned 24 hours, seven days a week, including holidays and weekends. All right, because he has shared. Is that some, you that uh, answers it, Tiana? Are you the hotline? No. Oh, I have my own number that I my my hotline's <laughs> right here. It means this is my personal hotline. He has shared with me that that he's had teachers <laughs> that shared Marxist stuff with him, but um, you know, I've never heard that it, that I could have reported anything or you know let you guys know that. Yeah, absolutely. Call us on any phone. We all have two phones. Call hey, us on uh, any phone. Ask for the reporting. Here's the. Uh... Here you are. There you go. Very nice. Yes, the dream Love team. Love that. Absolutely. Yes, that is the three of us. We're still really close. We talk uh, multiple times a week and just pick each other's brains. Yeah, they're awesome. Wow, and this is a two-year term? How does it work? I believe we're on five. You're right, Gina? I believe we're five. <laughs> Uh, we were the first four. No, they're on a five-year term because our race starting in 2024 for our county terms partisan so that it is able to line back up. They had to do five-year terms, uh, Wow. but then it'll continue into four, but that's just because they're switching yeah. the format for Burke County. So yeah, we'll be there for a while. <laughs> You're entrenched. After well, let five me tell years, you, you'll be entrenched. Well, it's it's actually been a great thing. So your House of Representative or our House Representative and our Senator is the one that had to, you know, bring that forth and bring that to the commissioners and everybody else to get that passed. Um, but anyway, that is starting to push into other counties now. So one of our counties next to us, which is about twice our size, because we're at a, 
think 98,000 or something like that. But because um, they've seen the flip in the school board and they're actually going to be trying to run a slate over there as well. And I've had a couple of people reach out for help, but they are in the process of trying to make their race partisan now as well. So kudos to, to everybody around here that's helped with the movement. Now, the county that's run by a mayor? No. What's it run no, by? No. The Board of Commissioners. Board of Commissioners. How many commissioners? Five. 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 And are they left usually right? there's a county executive too that does the work and yeah that's why i'm wondering well, we've, got, we've got our we've got our county manager okay all right yeah we've got our county manager so we've got five um three of them well they're supposedly all republican okay one's married to like a massive democrat crazy liberal lady and he's far from anything one i think is trying to break away from the two posers but he's just he's pressured um he's a really good guy but i think he's definitely pressured and then we've got two that are always the opposing vote um that vote more conservative and uh they're both not running again so we've got two seats um we just hit our primary four um so we've got some good candidates that will hopefully be taking over those two seats and how much influence does that commission have on the board of education for oversight or veto power? We work closely. I believe we meet quarterly to discuss the state of affairs for both the county commissioners and what's going on with the Board of Education. Um, we work together. Together. Full, full stop. You've already become a politician, Tiana. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I still have some learning to do. I think I'm still a little raw. Uh -huh. You know, you need to stay stay raw. You need to stay raw. <laughs> just, just a little you raw. Know, when when Elliot, our fearless leader, was on the hook set, I think he's still on their budget commission. And like you were saying, Michael, there's all these tricks and everything else. So like, you meet for four months every week. You take testimony. Blah blah blah. But in the end, you vote basically up or down. And when it gets to the next level, they don't have to listen to one word you said, one word you did all the work for, one person that can overturn the whole thing. So that's kind of what I ask. Is there like somebody above you that just says, hey, we don't care? No, not on the board. Um, we recently had something similar like that that occurred. We asked for additional funding for nurses, for uh, school resource officers, things like that. And the request was denied, just denied. And so we wanted to know if there was an explanation provided, why did you say no? And it didn't go well, we didn't get anything, you know? Right. And so we ended up appealing, we rejected it. I, I didn't even know that was, a. we didn't know if that was a thing to do, but we did it. We said, no, we're not accepting this. We are rejecting this. And we appealed and we ended up having to, to meet <laughs> to go over that and we ended up getting half of what we requested. So we ended up getting some funds um, because of that appeal. Had we not- Going back, you know, Ed said we're conservatives. We're, we called the conservatarian exchange because some of us lean farther libertarian. But when those committees say there's, we can't give you money, it's because they don't have money and their money was stolen from other people. They, yeah, our, right. our, our people had money because they gave themselves raises. Yeah. That, that, they that doubled their salary and they bumped up their town manager, who's their buddy, 
they put another hundred thousand dollars in his retirement. How much account. do they get paid these people? They were getting like what six thousand a month or four thousand a month, mm-hmm. and they just doubled it. Seven thousand. Wow. Yeah, whatever it is, they doubled. They doubled what they're getting. Wow. It's interesting. Yeah, breast, breast yeah, what what's the budget for the board of education? How much do they get from Raleigh, and how much do they get from DC? Oh man, Ed. Okay, so I got to bring up my spreadsheet. I got the spreadsheet, but I don't have any. You know, we're just the nearest. You know, a couple million dollars. <sighs> I want to say we're anywhere between ten and thirteen million. And yeah. And how much and... comes from Raleigh, and how much comes from DC? I want to say a good chunk comes from local, but we already have enough on hand. And then some comes from federal, but don't quote me. Don't quote me. I have the actual up your spreadsheet. I'm wagging my finger too. <laughs> don't quote me, but, um, all right. I we'll do have to talk to offline about that then. Yeah, absolutely. I have it. We just went over it because we had to, um, reconcile the budget. So I'm just wondering how much influence these outside actors have, on the board. I mean, is uh, what, per, you know, how high a percentage of your budget is coming from these people when they bribe you? It's a good percentage. If, if anyone were to take any money away, we would fill it. We would fill it. And that's whether it's state or federal, we would fill it. But as to exact percentages, because I like to be correct, um, I don't know what those are, but I can get them to you like within 24 hours. All right, I set my timer. Okay, that's good. All right, Gina, I know you said you were talking to or maybe working with people in the next county over to kind of do the same thing. I know that on a national level, there are a lot of people talking about working towards taking things over at the most local levels. Mm -hmm. So do you guys work with other places, even out of state? Is there like a group that helps people get into local politics? I mean, locally, each state has that. Um, There are, so through your local GOP, first off, um, at your state level, there's plenty of the resources that you can do, whether it's like, say, you're part of your local Women's Republican Club. Um, Part of being of that federation is campaign help, teaching you how to run a successful campaign. However, there are stuff that's issued through the state that are free resources and you can actually just go online. Um, but we've had a lot of grassroots, um, whether it be the Mama Bears of Catawba County, the Foothills Conservative Network, we have kind of all come together because we're all fighting for the same thing. So we have bound together and just kind of been a force to reckon with. Um, that, so is that that's- connected nationally at all? Um, locally, like I'm part of the national women's federation for the Republican women. However, that is not like those organizations that I just mentioned. So like the Foothills conservative network, we were very active in the school board race, um, last year, for example. And that's an organization that a friend and I, um, started after the Trump victory campaign had ended. And, um, anyway, so that played a a huge role, but we've, how should I say it? So we do a lot of interviews with local politicians and all that, but we have branched out to be able to connect with different counties and get politicians or aspiring politicians connected to the people that they need to be connected to. So 
like me personally, I'm kind of like a little hub that offers resources and saying, hey, if you need help designing signs or you need help, you know, coming up with your verbiage, whatever it may be, you know, and we've, there's a group of us that have really um, formed a strong- a little more than a hub, Gina. I don't know what, to, I don't know what you want to call me. <laughs> Not on this show. This is family. I, I'm just going to say a hub because yeah, I don't, I don't know what else you want to call it, but we have really, whether it's uniting with, you know, um, moms for Liberty, or like I said, the mama bears, we've got all these different areas of all these grassroots organizations, you know, and they'll reach out and say, Hey, who can I, who can I talk to? What can we do to get, you know, something moving over here or a petition here? And I mean, the grassroots has just been absolutely amazing. Wow. Have we worn you out, Tiana? No, not at all. I'm a forensic auditor. Very little <laughs> can wear me out. <laughs> Do you follow current events or are you totally tied up with school board politics? No, I follow current events. I mean, yelling at my TV is like my favorite pastime. So. <laughs> How often do you throw bricks at it? I have not thrown any bricks at it. My husband, on the other hand, has heard some very colorful language. I think that's part of my morning routine between the hours of 7 a.m. Is he wearing off on you? Is his mouth wearing off on you? Oh, no, I had this mouth to begin with. Oh, okay. <laughs> my dad was a Marine and my mom is uh, ex-law enforcement. So, I mean, it's just, that was part of our vocabulary. You know, going, again, bringing it a little bit more national, what's coming out of Uvalde, Texas now is even worse, even worse, and even worse, and even worse. And so at some point, the Board of Education is intersecting with law enforcement, and I don't know whose responsibility, whose blame, how that's supposed to work better, but I assume you're going to get involved in that at some level. Well, can you tell us, Tiana, a little bit? Uh, so our superintendent has put forth something and he's actually going to, should be our guest speaker at the next GOP meeting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what he's got going there? So he assembled a uh, superintendent safety council and that encompasses board members, uh, a few board members, not the entire board, um, local law enforcement. So you have the sheriffs in there, you have local PDs in there, um, you have previous administrators, you have CEOs in there talking about how, again, to harden um, these schools. And in the event something like this were to occur, how do we respond? What do we do for us? What makes sense for us? Because what happens in like Clark County, Las Vegas, Nevada is not necessarily applicable here where we have 11,000 students, almost 12,000 students, you know? So just what that looks like from a variety of different perspectives. So they meet and they discuss these things um, and it's going well. The community is receiving it well. Input has been moving through. Um, they've been busy. Thanks, husband. So yeah. Uh, would you be comfortable with teachers being armed in the classroom? Me personally, I would be perfectly comfortable with it. I'm pro Second Amendment and my entire household is. Um, I know that I have seen some feedback from the North Carolina Teachers United group that a lot of them do not feel comfortable carrying in the classroom. Um, they feel that that's outside of their job description. They did not want I to carry it. But it would be voluntary. 
Right. I'll take it in there with me. Let me do it, girl. Let me do it. I'll be Rambo. Watch out. So that conversation has not happened, um, has not been brought to the, the agenda yet. Um, but there has been, I'm assuming rumblings about it throughout the entire state, because that was a really hot topic in that group where teachers from all over the state and some surrounding states are in there and they were talking about it. But the overall consensus was that for the most part, they weren't um, supportive of it. I want to say something about that and tie it to something I said earlier and on a previous show. I, I remember right after Uvalde, my first comment was we should be arming the teachers. And um, I had a, converse, a couple of conversations with someone, um, with a couple of people, and, and I just have thought about it. And, you know, earlier in the show, I mentioned that uh, it's almost an article of faith that teachers deserve more money and teachers aren't responsible for any of the crap that's going on in the schools. And, and I challenge that premise. I think that teachers... I, I think teachers are responsible. I don't want to put the primary responsibility on them because they're not pulling the trigger. Um, but I think that I, I think that we should be looking at why are why are so many young boys who are in these government schools and and frankly not just in government schools but you know in in rural America. I mean, this isn't happening as much in in the in the inner city as it is in you know these all white or mostly white rural communities, what is happening? What is being taught in those schools that's, that's turning these young boys into monsters? And, you know, when I, to me, it has to be something that's going on in the schools and to give the teachers that are, that are turning these kids into monsters, mm -hmm. to give them guns themselves. I mean, my first reaction was, yes, you need a, a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun. I, but I, I don't I don't I, think I, that's I, I'm not I, I'm not sure either. Let me just finish my thought, which is just about done. I, I'm not sure the teachers are good guys. That's my point. And so I'm not sure they're a good guy with a gun. That's my point. Well, hey, I'm a teacher Ed. I'm only part time teacher, but so, I'm a good guy. So I, first of all, I think, I think there's again, there's a, probably a number of variables at play here. And I think one of, one of the things that you see with a lot of these young white male shooters, no father, most of them have been, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right? But I mean, look, don't at, have look at some of those videos that we see on liberals. Of, look at some of those videos we're seeing on liberals of TikTok. these teachers that are just crazy. And oh, they're going to let bring guns into the classroom. I'm not so that's sure. A, I'm it's gonna a good point. <laughs> it, it is a good point, but I think that we discount social media a lot. Yeah. Um, and to, to your point where it's happening in more rural areas than in urban metropolitan cities, these kids are connected to groups that are international all over the place. And I was in a school and just walking around the kids were like here with the, bumping into each other, bumping into lockers and everything else. So I, I think that a lot of what is warping that mindset for these young boys are what they're seeing on social media, social standards, social mores that are coming out nationally that you know everyone's parading uh, around. Yeah. That's kind of disrupting the balance of what we used to be. Some of them have been bullied, right? Bullying. And, and, and again, we know we know too that there's always I don't know, always signs. Every time something ago, about 40 minutes ago, somebody mentioned taking God out of schools. And 
I don't think it did anything good to take on that. No, it didn't. There's tons of charts that show the decline since 1962 when that happened. But you got to think all of society when that happened, that next generation, everything was on a decline. The stuff that was shown on TV, the stuff that was listened to in music, the stuff that is glorified in video games. Like how many parents were like, oh, it's okay if my kid plays Grand Theft Auto. They're picking up prostitutes and shooting everybody up and snorting coke. Oh, it's okay. Like, seriously. Well, I can hear you. And I agree that, you know, the culture as a whole has declined. The parenting situation has declined. I don't disagree with any of that. My, my question was much more limited. And that was, are the teachers at all responsible for what's going on in the schools? And if so, are they good guys to be putting guns into their hands? And I'm I mean, sure I can't talk are. for the teachers today, but um, the teachers back when I was a kid, yeah, they were absolutely. And remember, you yeah, don't actually have ago, to arm right? the teachers. You just have to allow the teachers to be armed. Right. Well, no teacher in the school has to be armed for it to be a deterrent. But if you say, you know, teachers who have a concealed carry permit are allowed to have uh, their firearms uh, in the classroom, that puts a deterrent effect. These kids are crazy, but they're not completely detached from reality. They know that, um, you know, arm protection is helpful. Yeah to defend the school, but really you need defense in depth, right? I mean, you, teachers being armed is just one aspect of defense in depth. And, um, you know, I hate the fact that we have to do this because it's just, it's, it's un-American, um, but you're going to have to, you know, have a single entrance to the schools and you're going to have to have, you know, potentially, um, you're gonna have to pay attention. I mean, everybody knew who the bad kids were when I was in school. I'm sure everybody knows who the bad kids are in, in school now. And and to be honest, you just you cannot keep them in the schools. You 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 have to kick them out. And I, I you know, I don't know what else to do. I mean, they you know, but we're How celebrating that, Ed, when when the state constitutions require every child to get an you, education. Then you have well, to have a special school for delinquents. Well, and know. we do have that. Like our county, we've got Halliburton, which is I'm going to use the word delinquent because it's what you used. But then those kids are still at risk because they're still around that kid. So what do you do? And do you they also them? cost a fortune. Right. Yeah, no, so know. do you give them some type of online schooling that is equivalent? I mean, what what can you do? I don't I, know I, if that will necessarily fix the problem. I mean, because all they have to do is just like uh, this 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 guy in uh, Uvalde. He, he it was elementary school. He wasn't going there. But I mean, he, he still shot this, you know, shot up the school. If there's a um, you know, if there's a single point of entry and there's a bunch of 10 year olds and some dude with. <laughs> with an AR-15 tries to come in. I mean, you, there, there are ways to not let them in. Um, I know it's, you know, it, it, this whole thing is horrible. Um, I'm just going to say the first thing you should do is get rid of the signs that are in the building I'm in right now that says no guns under right. circumstances right. in this building. Why don't we just put up a sign, come on in and shoot everybody in this syndicate. <laughs> going to say that was just, to Ed's point, it's just changing the sign alone. Just changing the changing sign. Changing it to some teachers here are armed. Yeah. So yesterday, and we won't have a lot of time to talk about, but yesterday I was at Pork Fest. And for those who don't know, that's a Porcupine Freedom Festival in New Hampshire. Um, it will have between 2,500 and 3,000 people. Yesterday was probably 1,000, 1,500. Almost every single human being that was armed. And trust me, 
nobody's messing around. I got to tell you, we wanted, we went to a place to get baked goods and it's literally lying there on our system. Literally take what you want, leave your money. The amount of trust when every single person is armed is pretty wild. It's not the wild west. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the guys, the girls, every age, every, <laughs> it's very hard for me to get. I hear you, Stephen. I'm sympathetic to that. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but we've all seen the liberals of TikTok videos, the crazy teachers that are in the schools. Yeah. Do you want those people carrying guns? I don't. Nope. And I think that's a teacher's union issue, right? You can't get rid of a teacher. Well, I was going to mention that that's another part of the equation too, right? As a lot of these teachers, they're in, they're in the union. They're dealing with that pressure. Also. You can set yeah, but standards. how many of the parents want those crazy teachers? You can set standards for appearance for employees. That's true. But the people that are governing governing those standards are just as flipping nuts. Yeah, I know, but the I mean parents... that's a, that's something to say. You know, um, male teachers have to wear a jacket and tie. Yeah, but who's going to do Am that? Am I behind the times? Did, wasn't the military just pass something about hairstyles or something? Yeah, I mean, well, that's a different thing. And it's like, you know, you have Why to- Why is it different than dress? You have, have no right to tell well, me. It's funny, Ed, it's Natural funny hair color, because... not a lot of piercings. You know, it, you can set these standards. Yeah, I mean, but nobody's it's funny going that you to. say that because that... It, some of the debates that I've been having, the, the all the teachers and teacher defenders talk about, oh, they're professionals and they should be paid as professionals. But- God forbid you make demands on them to act like professionals and dress like professionals. And that's a problem. I mean, why, you're exactly right. Why can't they wear a suit and tie? Why can't they get rid of the, because the, the people, things? because the people that are in charge right now of putting those policies forth are just as crazy as the crazy ones that are dressing like a numbnut that are on the libs of TikTok. Right. So why do we want to tell those people, Oh, by the way, in, in addition to all your crazy, other craziness, you can arm yourself and bring a gun to school. I mean, look at that guy who shot Ashley Babbitt. I, I right? think there, he was a I police officer who left his gun a year or so beforehand in, in, a, in a bathroom, bathroom stall. Well, the good news is, is a lot of those crazy libs aren't going to carry a gun anyway because they're against. Yeah, I think there's so self-selection for going. For, I think there's self-selection going for you on this. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think the you crazy think blue hair haired, a guy in a gun doesn't really mix well. Is what you're saying? What's Say that it again? Pink hair on a guy and wearing a gun doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it's a pink pistol, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I think that you know. But again, it all all you need to do is change the sign, like Mike said. That's all you need to do. Change the policy. Can we do that locally, Ed. I mean, you have the Gun Free School Zones Act that's still on the books at the federal level. I'm not. Well, the Federal Gun Free Schools Act um, was un declared unconstitutional, and then they just passed it again. And I know. No, no one has paid attention to it. So it's, but there are state level um, restrictions. I know in Virginia there's state level restrictions on what? carrying a pistol in a school. So I, I think it's the same issue that I raised before that. They pass these gun-free school zones act and tie federal funding to school districts making their schools, uh, school districts, gun-free school zones. The other thing you can do, and I'm absolutely serious about this, is if you have a, a fairly based sheriff, he has the ability to um, uh, to basically assign uh, deputy sheriff responsibilities to any human being in the county um, for any reason whatsoever. And, you know, he's, if, if you have a good sheriff, 
obviously that person is not a crazy person, hopefully. And he can pick out that, you know, Mr. Jones and Mrs. Smith and Mr. You know, uh, whatever are responsible citizens, they are now deputy sheriffs uh, and they can carry in schools. I mean, you, you that could be done today um, because uh, law enforcement officers obviously are exempt from all of these um, you know, gun-free school nonsense. That so, is a I mean, great question that I'm going to bring up to our newly elected sheriff. Yeah, Thank I mean, they, I was thinking the same thing. The Diana, sheriffs you, have this power. You guys can talk to them. Now, in Fairfax County, in Fairfax County, I remember County, when I worked in hospitals, they would not let law enforcement in hospitals with guns. The issue with law enforcement, first of all, they as soon as some crazy person comes into a hospital, they, you know, this whole SWAT team comes in. But the, the idea, of course, they would make them leave their guns, which blew my mind. Yeah. The idea behind that, of course, is that if you're being treated, uh, you have to take your clothes off. No, I'm not talking about being treated. I'm talking about when I worked on a psychiatric detox unit in the inner city and oh, okay. I couldn't walk into the building with a gun. Um, I was like, what? So, yeah, no, I've I've heard that too. Generally speaking, you're in, saying in, in all schools a cop could walk in armed anywhere. And well, certainly here in Virginia they can because they're exempted from the you can't do, and they're exempted in the federal uh, gun free schools act too. So again, you, it it takes a really base sheriff to do this because they have to understand what the purpose is, and then. Um, you know, they have to be in favor of Second Amendment rights and then they have to use their power. That's the one thing that we've seen like Republicans never do. They get power, but they don't know how to use power. Well, they use it to crush other Republicans all the time. Yeah. They know I mean, how to take the reservation. Yes, but they just don't know how to right, hold the reservation. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, well, are people paying attention to sheriff races? You guys are. Yeah, we are. But we have a terrible sheriff, right? I mean, so I don't know what to tell you. I, I live in, I live in communist China, basically. <laughs> then where am I? Soviet America. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's good because that means people are more aware and are caring who they elect, which I would think most people in this country didn't think about at all. A sheriff. I mean, in New York, I have no idea what a sheriff does. So. Sheriff is the officer of the court, right? right they process brings uh, documents here and there or something. The, well, no, they're officers of the court. They work, you know, generally just just they work for the court, and their their job is to protect the court, protect prisoners, protect the jail. Uh, that sort I got to sign off, y'all. Okay, got my my guys here to do my my stuff. I'll see you guys later. Oh, Bye, Tiana. Could have I was great. That very differently. Thanks, Gina. Bye. In. In many counties, the sheriff is the only law enforcement officer because right. they don't have um, a police force. And um, and so they take on the responsibility of, you know, basically everything except, you know, the, the state highways, which is the state police. So all of the local law enforcement goes to them. And in these rural counties where, where that happens, the sheriff has an enormous amount of discretion and is elected. You know, sheriffs are generally elected. So that's a, so it's, it's definitely, question. it's definitely a place to start. Here's my stupid question. Who's tasked with protecting Supreme Court justices? The federal marshals or the Secret <laughs> Service, depending. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Are they positioned outside the houses of Kavanaugh and Amy? Somebody right is. Now? Some federal 
officers are positioned out there, but they're not enforcing the federal law because we have an anti-law right. Um, AG, right? So I know all the insurrectionists are standing outside their right. house. And remember, they're Is only going to—they're only going to protect these Supreme Court justices until the decision is released and the two weeks after right i mean you know nobody's gonna like mm-hmm. they've tried to get funding to protect to give them you know essentially secret service protection and the democrats have blocked it so i mean that they are going to murder one of these the left is going to murder one of these supreme court okay, justices speaking of supreme court justices god forbid being assassinated how long do you think sotomayor has why? Why would she be assassinated? Nobody's going to assassinate Sotomayor. She doesn't, because she of doesn't what have to be assassinated. Said. She's got diabetes. She's no, because of what she said about uh, Thomas the other day. Oh, she likes Thomas. Yeah, I don't think oh. that. I, I don't think that has anything to do with anything. They, the left is the result. Well, you're you're underestimating the fact that white supremacists are the biggest threat in the country. Yeah, that's true. Oh. I mean, Thomas is so hated. He's up there with Trump, and her saying something decent about him is. Well, you know what? If I, I, Sotomayor seems to be the kind of woman that you could go to dinner with, have a nice conversation with, you know, talk or argue a little bit about the law. You know, she doesn't seem, you know, she's somewhat radical in her decisions, but she seems like a human being. You know what I mean? Um, but there are people on the left who you couldn't do. I, I don't know. What, what would I talk to Chuck Schumer about? You know, I, how is that? How how would a conversation there even be possible? So I, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't first think. First of all, you'd have to strip a hundred points off your IQ just to go near. <laughs> Come on, you know you want to sit down with AOC. You sit down no, that's AOC. not what you want. Okay. <laughs> sit down with AOC. Well, I mean, I I don't know because I don't know whether I don't know whether she's an actress, in which case we could have a serious discussion about acting, or whether she actually believes the stuff she says, in which case, right. There would be there, very little to beer summit. We need a beer summit. Communicate on. You know? I think in the beginning I'm, she was acting, but at this point, I think she really believes what she's spewing. Yeah. I think she's always believed it. But like yeah, Adam Schiff, like how could you? I, I mean, that guy, I mean, I, I just, I can't even, right? It, I'm like, I'm like a kid, I, a teenager. I, I just can't even. I mean, there, he's, he. Snap him I, over your knee. I don't know what. What is, I mean, yeah, there's crazy people and there's corrupt, there's a lot of corruption, both Democrats and the Republicans, and there's crazy people. But like Adam Schiff, really? Really? That's who you're, that's the guy? Well, of course, it's it's like this new press secretary, right? I mean, Jen Psaki, at least she was a talented liar. (laughs) But the Biden administration, the whole Democrat team, (laughs) they are committed to the least competent, least smart people that they can put into positions of power so yeah i mean but uh, what's her name karina jean-pierre karina jean-pierre she you know what she seems like a nice person too to be honest she doesn't know anything but that you know that that's fine but, you know she doesn't seem like a psychopath to me uh, whereas no just 100 incompetent She's not yeah but uh, like like adam schiff is he should be the poster boy for the democratic party Okay, anybody and if, you had a, if you had a competent Republican Party, he would be. Yeah. Anybody want to comment on the Colbert uh... insurrection? Yes. Colbert insurrection. Before we I get to Colbert, can I say I am something? not nearly the Tucker Carlson fan you guys are. But his satire, his monologue on Colbert 
except for Rush Limbaugh, possibly, I've never heard a parody done that well, where almost every single word was right on. And he went on for 10 minutes. And I kept thinking, he's going to screw this up. You can't keep this going so long. It was magnificent. Yeah, it was good. He did it again last night, too. I mean, today's Wednesday. He did it Monday and he did it Tuesday. Absolutely magnificent. Well, we're going to get this. uh, um, I guess we got to sign off soon. So my one last thing is is we're going to get this this pseudo gun control bill with the red flag laws. The Supreme Court, I'm getting a thunder. See, I say red flag laws and even God is annoyed with the thunder. Um, the Supreme Court has recently said red flag laws were unconstitutional. Recently, not like in 1862 or something, but like a little over a year ago, Coniglia versus Strum. Yeah. So I don't. And it I was think, nine nothing. And nine I think nothing. I think the Republican traders are, are kind of counting on that to like, you know, let's pass it and have the court overturn it, which is yeah, they don't a, care. It takes years to wind its way through courts and a violation of their oath of office. Let's be honest. Right. But, but nobody cares. Um, but all of the the traitorous Republicans are either up in 26 or um, are not running again. So they they picked off the ones sort of least likely to do it. And it just shows you if they were all up in 22, they'd have just picked the you know the, then they'd have found you know ten other Republicans who are up in twenty six because with with a few exceptions they're all the same. We don't have time to go into the entire Texas Republican convention. Uh, maybe we'll bring Daniel Miller back to give us all the fun. He was there the whole week, but they're booing Cornine off the stage. Yeah, uh, epic. Yeah, absolutely yeah. epic. So anyway, yeah. that's my that's last. Very upset uh, about it. You know, those radical, crazy right wingers, but he deserves it. Speaking of deserves it, I I, I think it, we're going to be the first first society where we don't get the government that we deserve, or at least a lot of us don't. And and I think it's a real, you know, I was talking with Ed and some other people privately uh, in the last day or so. It, it, it's a real, to me, a real interesting intellectual un- issue to understand. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, we, you know, you know, you know, you go back to Weimar Germany and whatever differences they had, they all agreed on total state omnipotence. And it was just different flavors of tyranny that they were arguing about. But that's not the case in America. We have a law, a large percentage of people that are disgusted with the Republican Party and that are, however imperfectly aligned, they are on the liberty side. And yet we are we just can't seem to get representation. And I think it's a really interesting question to to understand. I mean, you know, we, we all see it. And, you know, where is it coming from? How is that? How is that happening? I mean, you know, it's it's not the case that, you know, as bad as the culture is, the culture is not uniformly collectivist. I mean, we do have a lot of really pro-individualist, pro-liberty people in our culture. And we just cannot seem to to get any traction in the, in the political realm. And, and it's it's bizarre. We're doing it to ourselves. This is the entire argument that I have specifically with my party because I'm a millennial. So this is the the newer and the younger generation coming up. And when you're talking to people about conservative values and what it means to be a conservative, there are no good examples to turn to. You know what I'm saying? There's no one that they can identify with. That's where the left has dominated. 
What about Ron DeSantis? They're they're progressing. Ron DeSantis is great. And if we could carbon copy him into like 150,000 more, that'd be great. But we don't, Ed. When you look at these candidates, and I go off, see, I'm getting ready to go off on a brief tangent. When you look at these candidates running, they all look the same. They all spew the same things. You know, I was a church choir boy growing up. Then I went to the military and there's, there's no diversity as far as socioeconomic background, nothing. They're all cut the same. They look the same. They talk the same. They have the same thing. They're talking the same stuff. And we get the same politics. That's the very definition of insanity. Now, what you do, if you want to change that, is you throw a dark horse into the mix and you completely derail the left, right? Because it's all, the Republicans are, are racist. Throw a, a Black candidate in there. Well, you know, they're sexist. Throw a Black female conser- uh, conservative in there and see and make it make sense. And not one that's hoity-toity, but one that can actually get down and talk to people's language. And I guarantee we will see a power shift. But in order for that to happen, people have to stop looking to these political figures for endorsement. Well, okay, I'm gonna what happened? Ed, what was the name of that lady in Baltimore? Oh, Kim uh, Kim Classic? Yeah, and Classic. she unfortunately couldn't win. And I thought she was phenomenal. The one who should have fit the bill for what you're saying. She was, to me, because I watched Kim Classic, she, she wasn't, her debate wasn't strong. She didn't debate strong enough for me. She wasn't well, as assertive. The issue is... Um, don't give up. If you lose, do a, a you know a debrief. Figure out why you know what, and then get stronger on whatever it is. Um, personally, I think I, I think that's one of the reasons why um, Ted Cruz is never going to be president because he can't understand why he's not connecting with constituents. And that's because he's like plastic man when he gets up there and gives a speech. Um, he, he, needs, he needs instruction on how to be more real or at least fake more real. So I think something. once you're in Washington for that many decades or whatever, you yeah. can't be real anymore. I'm sure he's real if you had a beer with him. He just has to be that guy, right? When's the last guy who had a beer with Ted Cruz? What's that? Who's the last guy to have a beer with Ted Cruz? Come on. Yeah. Who's the last normal human being to get within 100 feet of any United States senator? I, he had, goes home occasionally, I one would imagine. Please, these well, guys his wife, go his, his wife was with uh, Goldman Sachs, I think. So yeah. I remember at the, the thing in New Jersey, when I first got involved in Jersey politics, just talking to Heidi, who was cool talking for a few seconds, she was pulled right away away by her aides. You can't talk to people. Come on. Really? They wow. don't have contact with anybody normally. Huh. You know, Steve, I have a picture of my son talking to Heidi from that meeting. I couldn't same make one? it, but yep, you you and my son were at that same meeting. Really? That's the one where Laser showed off his cowboy boots. And also, you know, Laser has his cowboy hat signed by Ted Cruz twice in two different places. And that's how he got in the New York Post for it. But these, they don't talk to regular people. Ted Cruz goes, oh, I was out and I was talking to people. Come on, you haven't talked to a regular person in 15 years. And, you know, going back to what you're saying, Tiana, and I love what you said in the very beginning, listening to people. What a concept. Yeah, I mean, just to go on the Ted Cruz thing one, one more time, is like, be this guy, right? I mean, that, that, that's- Where do you get this from? 
Where that did was you- back. That was back in 15 when he was a badass. Right. I mean, and, the, you know, but he this is the guy to this is obviously mean, but, you know, be this guy. And he doesn't get that. You know, he, he went to an Ivy League school. He went, you know, he he uh, he, um, you know, as a lawyer and all that stuff. Yeah. OK, good. That he was a debater, you know, but like this is the guy we want right here and not the debating well, a little lawyer. more DeSantis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, DeSantis, at least, I mean, his his advantage, of course, he was a lieutenant commander in the Navy. And an 05 is as far as anyone can progress in the officer corps before it gets really political. I mean, with you can progress to 05 on pure excellence. To go to 06 or to become an admiral, you have to start playing politics. And that means you have to start you know, going along to get along and saying all the right words. And so um, that's why I like DeSantis, because a, I like the military and I think they do. You know, I think the military people do great work. Um, and B, I, he only went to 05. So it, it means that he, he might really be like as based as he seems to be. But if he was an admiral, I'd be like, ah, oh, screw it. He's done. No, because you can't do it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get into Israeli politics at length, but if you notice in Israel, you know, their government just collapsed. And pal, you probably follow it a little bit. That was no surprise. Every single election cycle, another ex-general um, commander in chief of the military starts a new party and wins a whole bunch of seats and then fizzles out. And every single one of these commanders are leftists. And it's the exact same thing. To get to that level, you have to be a leftist. And you're wondering, where are all the generals who are on the right wing? You can't make it. Even in Israel, it's so, so frustrating. And that's, they're just sorted right out. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I think we all, I, you know, I mean, as much as I do appreciate what Trump did, um, talking about Trump, you probably can't hear the thunder, but uh, <laughs> I, I think Trump's time is over. And I think, we, you know, I think DeSantis has got to be the, and he's going to be palinized like nobody's been palinized. Just wait till they start on him. He, he's too smart and he's not, doesn't run his mouth like Trump. You know what I mean? He's more strategic. It's going to be interesting. Listen, I love yeah. the guy. And by the way, I have a personal stake in his going to Washington and we'll leave it at that. But I think he's by far and away the most competent guy in many, many years. Is this his time? Time will tell. It's definitely his time. If he doesn't run this time, he's going to be the Mario Cuomo of our era. You think? I don't know. He's awful young. Yeah, but what is is the issue? The issue of our time is fighting the COVID stuff, and he's fighting it. He's fighting the left. He's fighting COVID. If he waits until 28, it's going to be a different world by then. The other thing is, I I said this privately in the chat, it's like um, Ann Coulter um talked about like the thousand dollar bill that was laying on the ground meaning the issue of immigration that if anyone just picked up that dollar bill and ran a thousand dollars and ran with it they would win and that's what kind of trump did he came out right at the gate with immigration i think the ten thousand dollar bill that's laying on the ground right now hopefully will not get banned from any channel is the fact that the vaccines are a disaster i mean obviously they don't work i've had the vaccine i got covid 
you know, I know all sorts of people, the death rates, everybody's vaccinated now and the death rates are the same and the all cause mortality is up and there's athletes dying every day. Another one, another NFL player died today, 26 years old. There's, you know, women dying in their sleep and there's kids dying and everything. I'm not allowed to talk about this. The vaccines are a disaster. And that is the $10,000 bill that is just laying there ready to be picked up. And I and swear to God, the first not, person not, not to pick that up. Not according Nobody to, had to, to Politico, to though, right? Yeah, What's the that? first person to pick that up is going to win. I tell you I this. don't know, because... The, the By 24, this, the, the, you cannot have all these athletes dying every single day. And, the, and ki- now they're going to kill a bunch of innocent children, too? It's Absolutely just, right, Ed. Bingo. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, this was there something does not that have problems with killing innocent children. Let's not even go there. Is, is there some reason to think that? Well, the Republicans died? apparently seem to care about innocent children. So let's have, find someone who's just going to start caring. Well, the left really cares about children, which is why Politico, the, the story I shared, they're so gung ho about giving kids the, the jab at three years old and, and one year Six old. months old. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Six months yeah. Old. And it's, it's just the blinders are on in terms of all the COVID vax failures. Yeah, back when but, I was a kid, I played Dungeons and Dragons, and there was always these situations you get in where you um, have to roll a 20-sided die, and if it comes up a one, that's really, really bad, right? And it came up a one sometimes. And when you look at the vaccines, that's the situation we're in. So It's a 5% what, chance of something really bad happening. And now it's probably a one less than one percent chance of outright death, but I mean five percent chance of a severe adverse event. So was, that's was there, too much. Ed, was there something in the news about that football player potentially dying because of the vaccine? Did he recently have a shot or? No, they, they never tell you that. But what 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 twenty six year old just drops dead? It just doesn't happen. Well, well, it can. You know, <laughs> but it is happening at a much uh, higher rate than it used to. Well, what was the Sometimes they're, they're, you know, young people have heart conditions and and they yeah, well, just a little more than you. An NFL player, they've got to be the most medically analyzed people you know, on the planet. Uh, you know, I went to Pitt and Jamie Dixon, who was the coach, had a sister who was a coach at the at West Point, if I'm not mistaken, and I believe she was an athlete. She was the coach, but. She had an undetected heart condition and died just on the spot. So yeah, yeah, but it's not and, just and, one athlete. Okay, but Mike. who who, lots who of athletes. remember who is the um I'm not saying you're wrong. Mike I'm is just, just saying, saying he's not gonna be the one to pick up the ten thousand dollar bill. That's all. No, I'm not. <laughs> hey, I pick up a hundred dollar bill right now. <laughs> I don't even say um, he was jokes about that. Who I'm trying to remember Hank Gathers was the uh the basketball player, remember right. years ago who just dropped. So I'm just saying it can happen, you know, and there's got to be a hundred, there's 200 uh, high performance athletes who have had um, either drop dead or who've had uh, cardiac related issues in the last year and a half. And I've never seen anything mm-hmm. like that before. But life. I mean, you know, I feel like we're repeating ourselves and it just, you know, it sort of shocks me to some extent still that I would see that political story. And how they're pushing the shot on, on these toddlers, young kids who are still in no danger from this. And getting and, back and, to schools, the schools are going to have to exclude kids who don't get them, right? Well, that's the thing. It's like they, they're, going to, they're going to make them mandatory or, or voluntary 
and then they're going to make the mandatory. And going back, then you'll see Anna's fault. Then, then the kids will be leaving the schools in droves. Well, that, I hope that'll so. be the end of it. They'll mandate it in the private schools, and then it just yeah, it goes round. Then and you're going to have. All right, folks, quick last words. We're way, way over time. I'm paying uh, double over yeah, time. I feel, like, I feel like there's a lot we didn't get. <laughs> so. That's okay. We had a great time. Absolutely. Tiana, you are our honored yeah. guest. What would you like Thank to share with us? I appreciate you guys having me. This was fun. I really appreciate it. I watch you guys too, so <laughs> I'll be watching next week. Um, that, this is our fan club right here. That's right, our one, our one watcher. Hey, but she's worth a lot more than one regular. Come on, I'll trade you one Tiana for uh, a whole bunch of libs. Okay, anything else super pressing, guys? Well, not pressing, but I, I, I did want to say one, add one thing to the, the Kavanaugh assassination talk. Mm. Uh, I forget which chats I've mentioned this in and which I haven't, but uh, I am more concerned that the Dems are going to assassinate Harris and Biden than I am Kavanaugh. I don't and, think they need to. Well, but that's, they're looking to get rid of them. And it's, yeah, it's they're going to get rid of both of one stone. Yeah. And it, what they can do is they can, they can frame some MAGA, you know, some white guy to be the, be the voice of MAGA. They can just and, buy his and her bicycles. Well, or they could do something like that, but uh, I, I, that's what I'm more concerned with. And I hope the Secret Service is protecting them because uh, if I, I think that I think that Pelosi will be president. Well, it's not it's less about Pelosi being president and more about jailing more January 6th type people and making the election a lot easier for Democrats to win if we're in jail and can't so, vote. Uh, a Reichstag assassination kind of thing. Yeah. So. We talked about that. You I heard I it here to, first, folks. I have to. Way have ahead to, of the curve is always. Ahead of the curve. Yeah. I have to bring my tinfoil hat next time. I don't think this. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I understand that's a tinfoil hat uh, emotional response, but uh, I, I can't hear somebody. You know, I got to tell you, going uh, the NSA cut him off. That's right. I didn't cut <laughs> him off. He froze. NSA cut him off. I don't listen. I don't listen to Daniel Horowitz anymore after he made that statement about secession and wasting time. Oh, but back. on my way up to New Hampshire yesterday, and I had like sixty thousand hours in the car, I listened to four of his shows. Now, Daniel Horowitz is relatively mainstream in that he's a big shot on the Blaze Conservative Review. It's I love Daniel Horowitz. He repeat. I don't listen to him anymore. He told me it's a waste of time to listen to him, so I don't listen to him. But he repeatedly <laughs> called what's going on, Joseph Mengele, and called for Nuremberg trials. Now, Daniel Horowitz is a nice Jewish boy, and he knows exactly what Joseph Mengele was. And for him to go that far, that is very, if my son were saying that, I'd be telling him back off. So to me, that's pretty shocking that anybody would go that far. I, I Not know, shocking to me. I am not, uh, I have not read the details of what Mengele did, so I can't comment on He's him. He's not a nice I, person. Yeah, he was not a nice person. I get that. Uh, but I, I, this is as close to biowarfare against the United States as I know. I believe yeah. we have killed hundreds of thousands of people. I just was shocked that somebody as mainstream as he would go that far. So don't mess with Ed Maslish about being, being tinfoil hat. Okay. He's just pure mainstream. I don't think Daniel Horowitz is in the mainstream. 
he but he's not wacko he's not out no there, no no okay he's within glenn beck limits kind of yeah thing. yeah right so he, all right folks with that we're going to close off for today thank tiana for being here thank everyone else Thanks, for being tiana. here we thank will you be up as a podcast very very shortly we will be back be back next week regular time for number 107 thank you very much and have a wonderful day